Well, all right. Good morning. Welcome to TBA. If you don't know who I am, my name is Dave Shive, and I'm one of the pastors here at TBA. We're so glad that you came out to worship with us this morning. Today we are starting a new series called Soul Detox. If you've heard about detoxing before, uh, have you ever heard about detoxing the body? Anybody heard that before? The idea is this, is that our body picks up these harmful chemicals through the things that we eat and the things that we breathe, and we need to get rid of those chemicals, those harmful things that are in our body. And so we go through this cleansing period. It's either done through a certain diet or juice fasting or something like that to give our body time to expel these toxins. There are literally hundreds of detox programs out there, but the concept's the same throughout all of them. Purge those toxins in your body that cause harm. And so we're going to be talking about a similar process today, except it's going to deal with the soul instead of the body. Now, before we get into the heart of that, I think we need to understand what the soul is, because sometimes I think we get the terminology confused. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, you've probably heard during our text series that, that we've talked about the fact that man, humankind, we're made up of three different parts. And Paul describes it this way in 1 Thessalonians. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we're unique in all of creation. As you look at the creation narrative in Genesis, you'll see that God spoke everything into existence. He said, Let there be light, and there was light. He said, let the earth spring forth plants and animals, and it did. But when it came to mankind, that was different. Because he said, let's make man in our image, after our likeness. And then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. See, the Hebrew word for form, yaser, describes the work of an artist. It's like a potter shaping clay. And so God takes clay, physical material, and he forms man. And then he breathes the breath of life into him, transforming his form into a living being, a living soul. And this made man a spiritual being with the capacity of serving and fellowshipping with God. And so we're created with both physical and spiritual aspects. There's nothing else like it in all of creation. See, there are physical things in creation like trees and rocks and animals. And there are spiritual things in creation like angels and heavenly creatures. But mankind is the only creation that is both physical and spiritual at the same time. And because we are made in the image of God, we reflect the triune nature of God. See, God, the Trinity, is made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And man is made up in three parts as well, spirit, soul, and body. Now stick with me because I'm going to try to describe each part and how they relate to each other because I think it's important. It's important to understand how those three things relate. And hopefully it's all going to make sense in the end. So let's start with the thing that we know the best. Let's start with the body. Our bodies, like we said, are made up of physical material. God created the body to link us to the physical realm to allow us to interact with the physical creation around us. See, we do that through our five senses, through, through the sense of sight, smell, hearing, taste, and touch. We can affect the physical creation that is around us. We can move it. We can manipulate it. And likewise, the physical creation can affect us. 
And so the body is the part of us that gives us a world consciousness. And so the body's physical. But we're also made up of immaterial aspects which are intangible, namely the soul and the spirit. These immaterial, immaterial characteristics of our nature exist beyond the physical lifespan of the human body and are therefore eternal. And so our soul is the part of us that comprises our understanding of self. It's our self-consciousness. The Bible describes it as the seed of emotions, the center of thought and reason, the source of ambition. See, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And it reveals our individuality. It reveals our personality. And it's through our soul that we live out our relationship with God, with other people, and with ourself. Now, the spirit part of us is the part of us that allows us to commune with God. It is only by our spirit that we're able to understand and worship God. It is in our spirit that we have meaning and purpose in life. At the deepest level, our spirit enables us to love one another, love ourselves, and to love God. Our spirit gives us an intuition of what's right and wrong. You can even say it's our conscience. And because it tells us of our relationship with God, the spirit part of us is the part that gives us the God consciousness. So you have the body that gives us world consciousness, the soul gives us self-consciousness, and the spirit gives us God-consciousness. God dwells in the spirit, self dwells in the soul, and senses dwell in the body. Are you tracking with me so far? Everybody good? See, the Bible makes it really clear that the soul and the spirit are the primary immaterial aspects of humanity, while the body is the physical container that holds them on this earth. So if you're taking notes, write this down. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Okay? You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Now let me try to describe how these three things interact. In its simplest terms, the soul is the meeting point of the spirit and the body. We said that our spirit is what allows us to link to the spiritual world and commune with God. The body is in contact with the outside world, allowing it, us to affect it and be affected by it. And so the soul stands in between these two worlds, yet it belongs to both of them. It's linked with the spiritual world through the spirit and with the material world through the body. Now remember, we said the soul is made up of our mind, will, and emotions. So it's where our free will or our ability to choose comes from. So our soul has the ability to choose which environment it wants to allow in, either the material side or the spiritual side. It's kind of like a gate. See, the spirit cannot act on the body directly. It needs a gateway. And that gateway is the soul. The soul, therefore, stands between the spirit and the body, binding these two together. See, the spirit can subdue the body through the gateway of the soul so that it will obey a God. But the gate opens both ways. And the body, through the soul, can draw the spirit into following the world. See, the soul makes it possible for the spirit and body to communicate and cooperate. The work of the soul is to keep these two things in their proper order so that they don't lose their right relationship. Namely, that the body is subjected and controlled by the spirit and not the other way around. See, before the fall of man... And before sin entered into the world, the soul was completely under the dominion of the spirit, and thus so was the body. In our unfallen state, the spirit of man was in complete harmony with God 
And that harmony radiated out from our spirit through our soul, through our body, to all of creation. So all of creation was in harmony. Everything was perfect. But when the human race fell, sin closed the window on the spirit. It pulled down the curtain and our spirit died. It died because it was cut off from God. And in that unregenerated state, it's our body, it's things of the flesh that control our soul, control our thoughts, our will, and our emotions. That's why the Bible says that before knowing Christ, we are slaves to our sin. See, we don't have the power to overcome sin. And we stay in that state, in that unregenerated state, until the Holy Spirit breathes life new into us once again. And we call it born again. That's why we call it reborn. Because our spirit is reborn through accepting the grace of Christ's sacrifice for our sin. And it's through that rebirth that we now have power over sin. And our soul, once again, can become subjected to the spirit and in turn our bodies subjected to our soul. But the key is the soul. It's the pivot of our entire being because that's where our choice or free will resides. It is the gateway. See, it's only when the soul is willing to assume a humble position that the spirit can ever manage to control the body. If the soul rebels against taking such a position, the spirit is powerless to rule. So the soul stands between and determines whether the spiritual or the natural world will reign within our bodies. And when Paul talks about the battle of spirit versus flesh, this is where the battle takes place, in the soul. You see, the outside world is currently under the dominion of Satan. And his primary means of destruction is through the body. That's why the temptation of the flesh is talked about so many times in the Bible. Because sin and Satan try to influence the soul through the body. But see, God and the Holy Spirit influence the spirit. God and the Holy Spirit influence the soul through our spirit. And so this battle of spirit and flesh is a real spiritual battle for your very soul. And because the soul possesses such power and is the center of man's individuality, the verse in Genesis we read earlier calls man a living soul because everything hinges on the direction of that gate in our soul. That's why we say that your spirit has been redeemed and your soul is being redeemed and your body will be redeemed when Christ returns. See, if you've accepted Christ as Lord, then that new life has been breathed into your spirit and your spirit is fully redeemed. It's fully redeemed. And our soul is being redeemed in this life as we live out our relationship to God through surrendering control and being spirit-led. Our bodies, unfortunately, will continue to have sin in them because we are born sin innate and are part of this physical, sinful world. But when Christ returns, we will be given a new, sinless, glorified body and the whole of man's spirit, soul, and body will be fully redeemed. That's why Paul says to the Philippian church, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finished on the day when Jesus returns. Now, I know I've spent a lot of time setting all that up, but I think it's important that you understand how it all works. Because, see, we often get it backwards. Our tendency is to focus on the body and on our environment around the body. And we ignore the spirit and the soul aspects of our nature. 
And the problem with that is that if we're not filling our spirit, if we're not feeding our spirit, then what happens? See, the soul, our mind, will, and emotions will be influenced one way or the other. The gateway opens to the side that gives it the most pressure. So if the spirit side of us is not being fed and it's weak, then the flesh side of us starts to win and the world begins to creep in and pollute our soul. And many times it's such a subtle attrition that we don't even recognize it. When I was growing up, both my mom and my stepdad were smokers. And I never thought anything about it until I went away to college. And I remember the first time I came home on holiday, immediately when I walked into the house, I could smell smoke everywhere. It was overpowering. And then when I went back to school, my clothes and my suitcase and my bag, everything smelled like smoke. And I never realized anything was amiss growing up. But once I had time to be away from it, and I had time to detox, coming back was a huge shock. And see, the same kind of thing can happen to our soul if we're not careful. All of the pollutants begin to seep in and they begin to stain our soul. And before you know it, we're losing the battle. And we're being influenced by this sinful world. So the whole point of this series is to help you to begin detoxing your soul. To recognize the things that you are allowing to control your soul and to give you tools to detox and swing that gate the other way. So real quickly, with the time that we got left, I want to talk about the restless soul. So many of us have a restless soul. We're always searching but never finding. We're interested in everything but never satisfied by nothing. We fill our lives with activity after activity, and we're busier now than we ever have been. As I was studying this message, I started to research just how busy Americans are compared to how they have been. And overwhelmingly, the data shows that we are busier now and that life comes faster than it did 50 years ago. But as I was reading these articles, I thought to myself, I don't need an article to tell me I'm busy. I know that I'm busy. And so do you. If you take time to reflect on it, we all feel it inside of us. The sense of restlessness. Oh, we may try to find rest for our bodies, but we never really find rest for our souls. See, we're anxious, and we're tense, and we're worried, and we're concerned, and our minds just don't know how to shut down. And even when we try to rest at night, internally, our soul doesn't rest. It's a restless soul. And I've got to be really honest, I fall into this trap so easily. I'm always planning. I'm always trying to figure out what needs to be done. What's got to be done today? What's the plan? This deadline's due. I got to get that done. Housework needs to be done. I got to get that done. What activities next? I got to run this errand. I got to go to this event. I can't miss my TV show, so I got to fit that in as well. And when do I ever take time to rest? Even when we do rest and we go on vacation, usually our vacation is so full of activity, I need a vacation from my vacation. And inwardly, I'm so overwhelmed with all there is to do and all the activity in my life, and my soul feels restless. And Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes, it paints a really good picture of where I've lived way too much of my life 
And chances are where many of you have been as well. Solomon says this, So what do people get in this life? For all their hard work and anxiety, their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. Man, that is where I am so often. I am so wound up on the inside that I find it difficult to calm my soul. Sometimes at night, my mind just keeps going and going and going, and I can't shut it down. My mind and my soul rarely find deep rest. How many of you would say that's you? Be honest about it. We are a society that just never stops. We have a restless soul. And God doesn't want us to live that way. See, we all know our bodies need rest. Without proper rest, our bodies begin to have a lot of problems. Lack of rest can affect your ability to think and remember and process information. It can make you feel moody and you can become more likely to have conflicts with others. It can affect your overall quality of life. And I would say to you that our souls need to find rest as well. That it is as important and even more so than finding rest for the body. That finding rest for our souls is the beginning of leading a spirit-filled life. And without it, without that rest, we'll continue to try and fill the void that's inside of us with the things of this world. And it will pollute us and stain our soul. So where do we find rest? Where do we find it? It's not going to come from this world, I'll tell you that. You're not going to find it in an activity or on a vacation. You're not going to find it in yoga or any self-help book. Remember, the proper flow is not from the world to our soul. The proper flow is from our spirit, which is tapped into the power of God, to our soul. There's only one place and one place alone that we will find rest for our souls, and that's in God. Our souls find rest in God and in God alone. David said in Psalm 62, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. My soul, inwardly, internally, who I am, the essence of who I am, only finds rest in God alone. In other words, there's no other person, no experience, no vacation, no dream home, no amount of money. There is nothing outside of God that can bring rest in the essence of who I am. My soul finds rest in God alone. Jesus said it this way. He said, Come to me, all ye who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Does it sound familiar? Because see, that's where a lot of us are. Not just in our body, but in our soul. We're burdened. We're stressed out. Life seems so weary. We have short tempers. We blow up at our spouses and we yell at our kids. We find it difficult to demonstrate love to those we love the most because our lives are so wound up and overwhelmed. We're tense. Worried, anxious, not just physically, 
But where it really, really matters in who you are, the depth of you in your soul. And Jesus says, come to me, I have rest for your soul. It is only in God we can find rest for our soul. So how do we do that? Let me give you quick three things real quickly that you can start doing that are going to help you feed the spirit side of you and help you slow down and find rest for your soul. Number one is this. Be still before God. I know it sounds simplistic, but be still before God. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. That's often difficult for us to do. In this fast-paced, goal-driven, open 24 hours a day society that we live in, nothing ever, ever stops. And it's like trying to stand still in a raging river. But that's what God is asking us to do. See, it's not be productive and know that I am God. It's not be worried and know that I am God. It's not be anxious and know that I am God. It's be still and know Know in the depth of your soul, know in your mind, know in your will, know in your emotions, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes you just have to take control of your soul and just silence it and quit running and sit down and be still. Here's the second thing you need to do once you are stilled. Once you are stilled, here's the second thing you need to do. And that is wait for God. Wait for the Lord God. Psalms 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. We don't like to wait. You don't even like waiting for me to say something, do you? You're like, what's going on? What's taking so long? We are such an impatient society. Everything that we get is instantaneous. Fast food, movies and entertainment on demand, instant gratification. We rarely wait for anything. How many of you are like me and you get mad if you have to wait more than five minutes in the drive-thru? Think about how crazy that is. We get mad because the dinner we didn't have to cook, we didn't even have to get out of the car to get it, isn't coming fast enough. We get upset if we don't get what we want right this moment. And see, we do the same thing with God. We treat Him like a genie in the bottle. And we say, God, fix this. Fix it in my life. Fix it right now. God, give me patience and give it to me right now. I want patience. God, give me this deep, intimate relationship with you and do it right now. I want it right now. But it doesn't work that way. A relationship with God takes time to build. It takes investment. It takes being still, opening His Word and waiting, waiting for Him. People say to us all the time as pastors, they go, how do I hear from God? I don't know what God's saying. God feels so distant in my life. And we respond with, are you spending time with Him? Are you in His Word? Are you slowing your life down enough to hear what He has to say? Because see, it takes time to listen to God. 
takes time to learn to listen to God? Are you slowing down life enough to hear what he has to say? Wait for him. Stop and wait. See, God will answer you. He will only, only when you are in a position to hear what he has to say to you. Wait for him. And then last, reflect on his goodness. See, here's the thing. So many times when we're taking a moment, we're tempted to think about everything that has to be done. And I want you to take a moment and think about all that God has already done. Don't just think about what has to be done. Think about what God has already done. Internalize his goodness. Psalms 116 says, Let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good. The Lord has been good to me. He saved me from death. My eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling. Reflect on what he's done. Reflect on his goodness. Reflect on his grace. Reflect on answered prayers in your life. Reflect on how he's changed your life. In this busy, busy life you and I lead, we have got to still our souls. We have to wait for the Lord. We have to stop intentionally and quiet our souls and sit down and wait for the Lord and reflect on what He's done. Think about the names of God and His provision and His goodness. Quote Scripture to yourself. Whatever Scripture you know, quote it to yourself. Let it live within you. Remember all the prayers that God has answered throughout your life. Think about His faithfulness. Remember, He has delivered our souls from death. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to understand that He has forgiven you. That you're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. That should bring rest to your soul. That He will not hold your sins against you. They are forever cast in the sea of forgetfulness. He will not hold your sins against you. That should calm your soul. You reflect on who He is. That He is the God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He's the first and the last. He is the one who was and is and is to come. We are following Jesus who is the Lamb of God. He is the Lion of Judah. He's the returning King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We serve a God who is so big, He's working in all things to bring about good for you, for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. He says that you will be blessed coming in and blessed coming out. He is the one that declares, for the plans I have for you are plans to prosper you and bless you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And when you meditate on Him and you're worried about tomorrow, suddenly you realize that he is in tomorrow and because he was faithful yesterday you know he will be faithful tomorrow and you can find rest in your soul as you reflect on God I want you to know that God does not want us to live this revved up life a life of a restless soul and by the power and the presence of God, I know that you and I can live a productive and fruitful and yes, even a busy life, yet be calm in our soul, healthy in our souls, healed in our souls, whole in our souls.
living out of your soul the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Because we are not driven by the desires and needs and flesh of our body, but our soul is full of the goodness of God. I'm going to ask the band to come up and I'm going to leave you with this. See, I believe our enemy, I believe our spiritual enemy, Satan, if he can't make you bad, he's going to make you busy. And some of our souls are just too busy. Be at rest. Be at rest. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him and reflect on His goodness. And know, know that He's God. So what I want to do in the next few moments is I want to give you a moment to be still. Because I know in this culture of toxic busyness, many of us don't even know how to do that. And so what I want you to do is I want you just to calm your soul and talk to God. Listen to God as the band plays. You know what? Maybe just do this. Close your eyes. Everybody just close your eyes and bow your head. Listen to the words of this song and allow the peace of God to flow over you. The only place The only place you're going to find rest is in God and God alone. So take a moment, be still, and know that He is God.